You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. White Sox fans. It's Southside Sox Mothership Podcast number 84. Yes, the year after the delightful winning ugly 1983 season. It's the 1984 season podcast. No, we're not going to talk about 1984. That was a horrible year. It broke my heart. Almost, well, I'm always going to be a Sox fan. I guess I couldn't say I was going to give up on the White Sox, but let's just scratch that. But we will talk about the 1983 White Sox here briefly in this podcast. Uh, welcome. Did I say my name is Brett Bounty? Well, it is. I have three people with me. You know them all. If you're watching, you recognize them. And when you hear their voices, you'll say, hey, I think I know that dude. Uh, representing, as always, the Indianapolis field office, it is Super Joseph Reeses, the bad boy of Sox math. He's down there. He's going to have some, uh, some things to say about some things. Uh, Zach Hayes, not flashing the legs, but hey, wait till summer. Could happen again. Zachary Hayes is joining us. And of course, the designer, the writer, the humorist, the rocker. It is Adrian Serrano. Technical difficulties aside, he is on with us for podcast number 84. Hey, there was a, you may have heard, there was a White Sox, Southside Sox, White Sox Hall of Fame. We had a vote. It went on for like 10 days and uh, the votes are over now. Not a lot changed from when we did our like mid vote check-in, but a few things did switch up and a few things were confirmed. We have five, yes, five, five new members of the Southside Sox, White Sox, Hall of Fame, Jose Abreu, still playing. Can you, it just doesn't make any sense. He's still playing. I guess if he goes into a really long slump, we have to call the emergency sessions and vote him out of our Hall of Fame. But with 79% of the vote, Jose Abreu. Red Faber, forget about it. He's been ignored for many years, suddenly bursts into the Hall of Fame with 84%. That's the third biggest percentage in White Sox Hall of Fame. Southside Sox, White Sox Hall of Fame 
history. Robin Ventura came close a year ago. He squeaked in. People ignored his managerial record and said, you know what? He was a darn good player. He came back from that hideous injury. He's a hero forever in my heart. Plus, he could catch the ball pretty well. 79%. Hoyt Wilhelm, 79%. Got to put Hoyt in. Wilbur Wood, (laughs) not quite the biggest percentage in history. Frank Thomas was elected in our very first year doing this with 97.6%. But Wilbur Wood, you you wouldn't have predicted it, but Wilbur Wood with 93%, a lot of Wilbur Wood fans coming out of the woodwork and saying, you know what, knuckleballs, rock, he's in. Five people, a few fell short, but hey guys, what'd you think about this uh, this five-person class? Fantastic. They all had my vote, and I mentioned it in the previous podcast, but very happy to see the huge jump that Faber had. And um, yeah, I'm also props to Wilbur Wood for getting over the hump in a huge way. I mean, I agree that he was deserving. I wasn't sure if I would have pegged him as a 93 percenter, but uh, that that um, was good to see him having that level of support for this. And uh, yeah, I don't have any issues with any of those players uh, getting voted in. What do you think Jose Abreu would have to do like from here on out to make people be like, actually, uh, no, we jumped the gun on that one. I, I don't know if I can imagine a world in which he is somehow atrocious enough or does something bad enough to to make this not entirely deserving i was glad to see him uh glad to see the people not waste any more time and just get it over with them because it's a it's a wrap yeah, yeah you got to figure the 21 percent that he did not get is just simply the folks who say you know what he's still playing i just can't in good conscience because he could have that oh for 251 slump that's going to take him out of the white Sox hall of fame so let's just not give it to him yet maybe it's incentive they want to see a hungry Jose Abreu in the the maybe 2022 season. So, uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully we won't be embarrassed by this, Zach. Hopefully we won't. Uh, Adrian, your campaign against my boyhood idol, Chet Lemon, was successful. He did not make it. But otherwise, how did you feel about the class? I think anything short of murder, uh, Jose Abreu is good. Nothing on the field is going to keep him, uh, get him out of there. Um, overall, yeah, like I, I don't know if uh, – the Wilburwood 93% love is fully uh, people realizing how great he was for the White Sox or they played 20 years or just maybe ballot fatigue by the end of the thing. They're just like, yes, <laughs> buddy, you know, like, I don't know, maybe towards the bottom. I don't um, definitely <laughs> uh, 93% is surprising. Uh, surprising that uh, Chris Sale didn't get over the bump. Um, luckily uh, Jack McDowell, fell a little short i think it was like just under 70 percent um but other than that i, th- I think all the people that did get it deserve it and a couple misses that i think might get it next time we'll see listen people the south side Sox white Sox hall of fame is not it's not for wimps if you can't belly up and spend five minutes like crystal keith did like right before last podcast and vote Hey, man, should you even be reading? So, yeah, uh, ballot fatigue. Okay. Yeah, it is interesting you mentioned that, Adrian. We had as many as because this was a, you know, a bizarro ballot, although this is the way voting really works. You don't have to vote for president. You can just vote for your state reps. Sure, you're a weirdo. Uh, but based on how this worked, it was just a yes, no for each guy. You could have voted for 20-odd. You could have voted for the full ballot. 
could have voted for nobody. I don't think anybody did that. But we did get some variant total, just like we did for our actual uh, Hall of Fame election. So we had as many as 168 votes for any particular player and as few as 113. Now, that wasn't for Wilbur Wood. But yes, I think as you went down the ballot, there was a little fatigue. And I think some folks thought, hey, I don't even know who this guy is. I don't care if Brett provided a really nice, tidy bio for me. I'm not going to read it. Or I come to Southside Sacks to read. Uh, so maybe a few people did get skipped. Johnny Mostel, I don't know who he is. His name scares me. I'm not going to vote for him. So we did have as few as 113 ballots cast. But it, if you do want to keep somebody out, you do actually have to vote no. That's sort of how this works. Um, as Adrian alluded, uh, Jack McDowell, short, just 69%, but on the cusp. Got to vote somebody in next year. Uh, Maglio Ordonez, 61%. Chris Sale, 65%. He's still playing plus he cuts up our throwback uniforms. Uh, and Ray Schalk, in the actual Hall of Fame, doesn't have the greatest case for the Hall of Fame. He certainly has a pretty good case for a White Sox Hall of Fame, yet still at just 69%, outside looking in, very, very chilly, uh, wherever we are building our, it's definitely somewhere in the Chicago area, I'm going to guess it's pretty chilly, very chilly, having to peer inside and just hope one day, by the time it's built, he gets to have a plaque in the Hall of Fame. Bad news for Lance Johnson and Johnny Mostel, both of them only getting 30% of the vote, which is, which is quite a bit of support, but those were our last place uh, finishers, so they will be off the ballot for a devastating five years. One dog, we will see you again later this decade. Uh, and we do have some people coming back who were voted off in our very first vote because we're going to have a sixth election next year. Uh, Willie Cam, Thornton Lee, Jerry Staley, all three will be back on the ballot so you can vote them back off, you know, <laughs> say no, 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 if you're just a real angry voter. If we don't have a season 2022 preview for the second half of the show, uh, you might be very angry come time to vote uh, next year. Uh, we had some fun other categories. And before I run down some of those totals, anything jump out at you among our bonus categories more than ever. We skipped them entirely last year, I guess, because I was just very angry. I was a very angry writer last year. And we just barely, we voted like one guy in barely. I think Ed Walsh, like massive hoss, best pitcher in White Sox history. I think finally got in last year. I think it was Ed Walsh. It was somebody only one voted in and no bonus categories. So that sort of sucked. We definitely didn't do a podcast about it. Or if we did, it was a really boring one with all these bonus categories, anything jump out at you results wise, category wise, what we need to do next year wise. Uh, Carlton Fisk came out and made it kind of closer than I was expecting in the defensive play, like against a, you know, a World Series play. Uh, people just love the 80s. They love those jerseys. Yes, they do. Yes, for the defensive play, Juan Uribe killed it, of course, a, whole, uh, a World Series play, 48% won. But yeah, Fisk, the last minute throw in, I think after we did our preview podcast, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a few more things I should throw in, like Adrian's. Uh, 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 La Pantera home run. And uh, yeah, I just threw Fisk on there and look, he ends up strong showing that ridiculous play in New York where he tagged you guys at home plate. Uh, Joe, Zach, what else jumped out at you? The difficulty in choosing between Minoso and Hawk Harrelson was certainly one, um, but um, yes, um, it was kind of a situation where whoever didn't get uh, first place in that poll, you know, they'll they have a massive head start um, if we have the same category in next year's voting. But uh, yes, um, two extremely strong candidates there and really um, you know, people who cannot um, 
I can't really talk about White Sox history without either of them. Yeah, Hawk Harrelson, 41% wins by seven votes over Minnie Mignoso for our, in our contributor category, previously won by Bill Beck and Nancy Faust. For the defensive play, relatively new category as well. Mark Burley's preposterous through-the-legs uh, assist to first base. And, of course, the catch. Those have been our two previous winners on defense. Um, Zach Hayes, uh, bonus category, anything jump out to you? Yeah, just to stick with the uh, the contributor category, I, I might have liked to see Roland Heeman get a little bit more love. Um, I hope he gets some next year. He certainly deserves it. Uh, I do see that five of you, if you may or may not be listening, the five of you who voted for Jerry Reinsdorf in this category, I just want to have a word. You just hit me, hit the DMs. Like, I just want to talk for a sec. Um, that's, that's all. Uh Oh, (laughs) the tickets you ordered this year have just been delayed, Zach. (laughs) Uh, Jerry, you sort of got to put them on there, but, uh, yeah, five, five folks. It would be interesting to know the rationale. How many kids did you have again? In the, (laughs) that's Uh, uh, nieces, nephews, and children could add up to five. Yes, please identify yourself in the comments. We, I would actually love to hear how Jerry Ransdorf gets gets the vote. I mean, even in the owner category, I mean, you've got like the founder of the team. And, yeah, that's an interesting one. Good, good point, Zach. Uh, some other uh, results. Uh, the runaway uh, winner of Jimmy Dykes. I mean, we are going to run out of actual managers we can put in our Hall of Fame. It might end with Jimmy Dykes. There really aren't that many good ones in White Sox history. Very few, actually. Uh, Jimmy Dykes becomes our third uh, manager behind uh, after Ozzie Guillen. And Al Lopez. Jimmy Dykes was 78% in that category. Uh, what is it? It's not the Adi, whatever the heck it is. What is it? Whatever the center field shower was. I don't even remember these categories. Uh, it won. It won with 33%. Exploding scoreboard, disco demolition. I don't know what you people are thinking. Disco demolition. And the na na hey hey uh, Nancy Faust, those were all winners. Whatever category this was, what the heck was it? Uh, I don't know. I forget. Gimmicks, I gimmicks and up. promotions. Gimmicks and promotions. Thank you, Zach Gates. Uh, thank you for calling up the story to be able to confirm that for me. Uh, in a very, very tight vote, Scott Pesednik wins uh, the 2005 moment by just four votes. This was a very tight battle. Uh, previously, the four complete games, four consecutive complete games, and the 11-1 run through the playoffs had won. Uh, going to be a fierce competition next year or whenever we throw that category out there again. Scotty also won just for simply this new category of home run. So, uh, Pesetnik, he should probably, like, come on the podcast. He's got, like, two plaques now in, in one election for the same home run. That's actually pretty lazy. He should have done more. Uh, I might have to take one away from you. Scotty Pods, uh, 27%, four votes, he won. Talked about Uri Bay, talked about Hawk. Somehow, the 1983 uniforms, and in last podcast, we all remarked that we're a little tired of every Sunday. It made a rally. It was not winning when we talked for the mid-election podcast, but it surged past, I believe, the 1917 duds. But all three of those, 1917, 1983, and 1959, were all grouped together. A fierce battle. 1983 wins by just two votes. So apparently that will give White Sox the White Sox license to, to have them as the Sunday uniforms for another 20 years. Cause why not? It was such a memorable team that won 99 games and then sort of choked and got beat up and intimidated. 
out of a World Series appearance in 1983. Remember, we said we we're going to talk about 1983. Now we're talking about it again. All right, before I weep, uh, anybody else want to throw in for some information about any of these other bonus categories? Big Hurt, Chicago Dog, 1976. Zero, zero votes for El Duque for uh, nickname, which was interesting. Like it's an interesting nickname to not have any votes. Um, I was surprised that two. I, I'm not surprised 2005 was a contested category. I was surprised that the uniforms were as close as they were. Like that, you know, three had that big of a a draw, or that was that big of a uh, you know competitive category. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm thinking we brought on the hate vote for the. <laughs> we did. We'll last, show uh, <laughs> Serrano. He doesn't like that uniform anymore. Gonna be all. They're gonna be off seven days. The new home uniforms next season. It was brought to my attention in the comments uh, that I neglected because you know I don't eat most of the foods that I put in the um, the food category. You know, I opt out of most of that. And I believe Super Joseph Reese's does as well. So I completely uh, spaced on the Polish. Uh, that should have been on there. However, that would have just split the vote. I would assume that would just split the vote further with the Sausage and maybe even the Chicago dog. But Chicago dog ran away with that. Uh, I like the fact that Helmanacho has made a valiant run to win it all. Uh, uh, nachos next year who knows you know uh cross your fingers uh, unless polish really steals your thunder could be helmet nachos have any of you ever had helmet nachos oh but of course the helmet nachos are are a staple one more playoff appearance with adam wainwright talking about him on the broadcast and they'll have That's more true. than enough support by <laughs> this time this rolls around next year I should, I should say helmet nachos or these days helmet Sunday. I mean, I guess that's a basic two sides of the same coin, but uh, Adrian, Joe, have you imbibed in, in, in any helmet platter, uh, helmet um, cookery before? I can recall. I don't think I have eaten anything out of a helmet before. Um, I feel like, feels like I'm missing out after this discussion. It's, it makes me a l- little bit hungrier you know, hearing <laughs> this discussion, but yeah, I have yet to experience it. When I was on the beat, they would provide, uh, at Sox Park at least, they would provide hot dogs. They would provide free hot I think cookies and free hot dogs. But usually Rick Talender would devour all the hot I don't eat hot dogs anyway, but he would usually devour them all. I didn't want to get a finger bit off by the guy because he'd always, every time I saw him at the park, he was like going for a record each time. I, apparently he never, ever, ever ate outside of the park. But what I would do, the only time I did ever have El Pemo nachos would be that would, I would like go down into the seats. I was there early, you know, whatever. It's, it can be a boring job. So go down, hang out in the seats, grab a helmet nachos, because it's one of the few things I deigned to eat there. And yeah, so that's how I would eat my helmet nachos. Sit in the outfield, watch some batting practice, uh, eat jalapenos, you know, and then, you know, take my souvenir home, I guess. You get a souvenir? I guess you do. Now, maybe I opted out of the souvenir. I didn't want to collect too many helmets anyway it's this food for thought guys um in the future i mean obviously zach probably somewhere on the shelf there he's got like his stack of 12 souvenir helmet nacho helmets but really you know adrian joe you know i think there was a i think there was a green one one year for the nachos the helmet nachos um <laughs> they just sprinkled corned beef on them. <laughs> i have had i've had the helmet nachos i've had Old sizes of uh, helmet Sunday. Even the one is basically a full size helmet. Uh, <laughs> it's a little ridiculous to eat at a ballpark, but like, it all sounds like a good idea when you're watching a, a bad Sox team. I, I never really hated 
the the twins. I still sort of don't. I think that their weird rivalry with us is is just that's weird. But I had to say I I I was befuddled. I went up to the Metrodome with my dad. Uh, we we wanted to try to see every park. We went to the Metrodome and it's like sixty degrees there. They say it's like climate controlled seventy or whatever. It's like freezing there anyway. This is probably late in the season anyway. And there's people there like in heavy coats. I'd never seen a helmet Sunday before, and they were just going to town on a helmet Sunday. And I thought, what in the you know like probably on the side was the the big funnel cake too. So that was like the meal. And I thought, holy cow, these people. I can't hate them because probably be dead within the year anyway. Okay, well, that's probably most of the bones. We don't need to run down every single bit. Plus, we've got other things to get to. Uh, but thanks to everybody who did vote. Uh, we had a pretty good turnout. Uh, maybe not the biggest, but certainly not the, the weakest. Last year was probably the weakest because, let's face it, uh, the author, know, he was angry. I don't know what his problem was. But uh, next year, it'll be fun again. Probably won't have all the same bones categories. Might have a few new ones. Uh, and we're going to have an opportunity to uh, vote on another slate of 2025 20, guys and it seems like there are a few the newer guys seem to you know seem to be skewing toward the magliordonezes of the of white Sox history but all on the ballot are worthy so we'll see who makes it if anyone next year maybe won't, i don't think it's gonna be a class of five we'll see how many people get in next year we're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk about other things not having to do with the yet to be built because we don't have our sesame nation funds yet yet to be built white Sox. Hall of Fame for Southside Sox. Uh, after our break, uh, stick with us. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, people, Southside Sox Podcast 84. I'm your host, Brett Valentini, and I am lucky to be sharing a little bit of podcast time with Adrian Serrano, Super Joe Reese's, and, well, sometimes just call him legs, sometimes we don't. It's Zach Hayes. Uh, we are talking now. We're going to segue away from the Southside Sox Hall of Fame and talk about, oh, I don't know, baseball. We should be having a really exciting podcast where all our eyes are lit up, probably breaking out into sweats. Zach's probably going to be like showing off a New Jersey and uh, Joe would be showing off his first nacho helmet ever. And um, Adrian, probably some new t-shirt designs based on our anticipation of spring training, but spring training is not to be almost certainly to be delayed. Well, it has actually been delayed. They're supposed to pitchers and catchers report as of uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, So, uh, how are we feeling about the way things are going right now? Let's just start generally. We don't have to mind down into anything very specific, but feelings about the 2022 season based on the two ownership proposals since the lockout, which uh, I'm not sure if a counter proposal can actually get worse, but it does seem like the ownership proposal actually got worse. 
Uh, feelings about the 2022 season smack dab in the middle of the White Sox contention window. Well, we're no closer than we were a week or so ago. And that's, you know, with now the original scheduled day of pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training, with that now having come and gone, that's really not a good thing. I mean, I thought at this point, the discussions would kind of be accelerating and we'd be kind of just tying up loose ends. But at this point, there's much more to be done than just that. And yeah, I'm struggling to be optimistic about, about how it's shaping up uh, at the moment. And um, yeah, will will the, the regular season start before May? I would, I would like lean toward ever so slightly. Yes, still, but it's close. I mean, yeah, there's not a lot of reason to be hopeful, um, especially with the recent report about owners trying to cut costs in minor leagues, which, uh, I mean, just, yeah, have like less baseball. Um, I mean, baseball owners not wanting there to be as much baseball it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense and uh, leads me to believe that there's a lot of work left to be done. Yeah, um, I mean... I won't have to pretend like I'm not cold in the 15th row of the upper deck on, you know, April 15th, watching Dylan Cease throw 40 pitches in the first inning, I guess. Um, We won't have to, I won't have to deal with that, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're losing games. Uh, I mean, it, my sense this entire way was that it's only really, the pressure was really only going to pick up once paychecks start getting lost. uh, And that seems like, kind of an inevitability at this point and i have to imagine that both the owners and the players have and their uh legal teams at least and have done a lot of a lot of calculating and a lot of talking and uh they they both have their thresholds as far as how much they're they're willing to lose and i suspect we're not going to get to those points for for quite a while so that's the thing that has me down more than anything else is not only the knowledge that we are almost certain to lose games at this point but knowing that on top of that, we're still probably not close to having things even really pick up that much steam. Yeah, Zach, uh, that's so. the three of us uh, last podcast, we all gave our predictions on when season would begin. Now, of course, stuff has happened since then. So maybe there'd be reason to revise and be more pessimistic. I was the most pessimistic. I believe Crystal cajoled me into of, of kicking up my June 21st estimate to her birthday, which I think is June 17th, I want to say. So that was my official guess, June 17. Uh, are you more optimistic than that? I'm a little more optimistic than that, I would say. Um, I, I can't really, you know, I actually don't really have any logical reason off the top of my head why I'm more optimistic. I think it's only because that sounds like a really long time. Uh, but, you know, it... It's hard for me to picture them getting into May without the pressure being so great on the side of the players that they're going to have to make a deal by that point. I kind of, I kind of hope not in a weird way because um, I hope they're going to they get what they deserve. But uh, yeah, it's and maybe I'm just in denial. I don't know. I think I could very well see it going into June or even July, it depends on how, how principled the players are going to be. You know, if the players are principled and decide that they can wait out the owners and really try to get public opinion on their side, then 
I'm all for that. And if it takes, if that's why we don't get baseball until July, then, then, then awesome. But, you know, it's, it's really hard to say how far they're going to go. I mean, maybe we'll get two weeks into March or April and enough will be enough, or maybe it'll be two months. I think it's really until we know what that calculus is on the side of the players and how much they're willing to give up um, in terms of like immediate losses, then uh, I, I, I don't even know if I can gauge my optimism or pessimism all that well. Adrian, aside from this past weekend's uh, events or lack of making you depressed enough to want to just bury yourself into one of those full-sized Sunday helmets, uh, what what's changed in your mind in terms of how you're feeling about things? Uh, you figure this is just what you expected, or, or is this e- even a, a step worse, the fact that this almost seems to be going through the motions? Yes, I think it's somehow gotten worse. So we already knew coming into this, like, it's already an unfair negotiation. The power is not the same on both sides. Like the owners can sit back and miss spring training because they're literally paying a dollar a month for rent because, you know, they got the cities to pay for these stadiums in, uh, you know, Arizona or wherever. So like, they're not losing money. They're gaining money by not spending anything on having players out there. So like, the difference between this and the, you know, the 94 negotiations and any past negotiations, social media has been playing a big uh, part of it. And we see that the owners have kind of lost a little bit of footing on the public uh, battle. Um, Not so much, but enough that it's kind of changed now, even from an un like an uneven power struggle to like, it feels a little bit like a hostage situation. That seems what the owners have gone to. The owners are like, we will destroy everything about this game to win. So like, we can wait you out. Like we'll destroy the minor leagues knowing that you can't pick them or me. It's like, they're taking your puppy and like, you know, strapping it to the train tracks and saying like, choose. Um, It just feels like, it feels like there's just no, positive positive outcome even if we get baseball we're going to get a worse product than we had in the past because the owners clearly are willing to do things that hurt the game and hurt the league to save a little bit of money or make a little bit of money and uh for those of you who are pro big 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 business i know you're out there because i usually hear from you when we publish something about like the White Sox mandating vaccinations or whatever, uh, you might say, hey, well, you know, players don't get paid for spring training. So, you know, they're probably like, hey, no problem. Well, here's the problem. You know, okay, say everybody just wakes up on April Fool's Day and says, hey, yeah, it was just a joke. Let's play the full season. Well, they're going to still miss games. You can't just ramp up from nothing. So the, so the players are definitely going to, every day they're losing spring training. I guess you could compress it a little bit. I think they're talking about what? You need four weeks rather than six. Six is a little ridiculous. But I mean, every day past that month that you need to ramp up for a season, yeah, that's going to be money coming out of the players' pockets. And not, as Adrian just said, not nearly as much as uh, any kind of hit ownership is going to take. And that goes for regular season games as well. You know, Jerry Reins, a guy like Jerry Reinsworth might actually stand to, Zach, may stand to actually somehow benefit from that game's being played. God damn uh... It's also worth remembering too, that as opposed to 2020, when like the off season was over and done with by the time games got delayed, thanks to the pandemic, we still have like half of the off season left. I mean, that's one thing that I I think we can at least maybe look forward to a little bit is that once, whenever this thing ends, uh, we're going to be in for a, I mean, it's going to be like NBA free agency. We're probably gonna have a bunch of dudes signing at 1203 AM and it's going to be, 
it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be like that last week before everything, everything shut down. But I mean, that's the, um, and that only adds to the probability that a lot big, big chunk of games gets lost too, because the actual warm up time, the ramp up time to the season isn't the only part of the calculus here. What is the Jerry Reinsdorf Albert's Bell signing going to be this time around? Because you know he's going to hit us with something that doesn't make any sense, and we're going to go, "What?" Yeah, I'll what? give is you he... his first name is also Albert. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, me. You never know. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, okay, uh, Socks. Uh, as I alluded, uh, mandated vaccinations for everybody. Um, c- causing consternation among the um, the patriots out there, wink. Uh, but uh, you know, I-, I think probably the four of us feel pretty good about them doing that. Uh, White Sox claim I- it seemed like instantaneously they were at ninety percent last year. It was something the team actually took some pride in in doing and promoting that they'd done it. Uh, and the White Sox claim that everybody who's in spring training last year, maybe not every single minor leaguer, but certainly everyone who's in spring training last year, probably let's face it, is probably the whole organization did get vaccinated last year. And this year, not only are they going to not let you play if you're not vaccinated, they are not going to release you. They're going to just put you in the penalty box so you can think about what you're doing. You're not going to get to go to some hobo team that doesn't care and play ball with, you know, diseases or whatever. Uh, we feel pretty good about the Sox vaccination stance they're taking. We can always count on Jerry to protect an investment. <laughs> <laughs> right to the cynicism <laughs> i mean you saw what happened to yohan Moncada. i don't know how you can see that and say like i have too much money invested in all of these other guys to let a guy come from you know triple a or single a and uh you know risk any of these guys not being able to perform when i need them to yeah this this is tough this is like a whole nother podcast uh really we could we could talk a lot about this and i hate to give it sort of short strip but i do want to actually get to really what this whole podcast is all about and that is who from Southside Sox should be appointed as a mediator between the owners and the players to get a deal done i'm interested to know your thoughts so uh uh who who do we have in mind I'm going to send Crystal down, down to uh, the MLB offices or wherever the hell they're negotiating at. Um, I don't know. She's uh, level-headed without uh, giving ground, I guess you might say. Um, I think if more baseball people were like Crystal, we wouldn't be in this mess. So that's that's my logic. Uh, and a, for you, Crystal. a bonus, Zach, is that she would also she would have some baked goods packed. So there is also there's like that that there's a there's a carrot and a stick there and you know you can't really look past it because the guys get hungry at some point so you never know uh, uh, Joe Adrian who do you think hard to go wrong with Crystal for sure <laughs> um, but yeah I, I would give a vote for Ashley Sanders um, I, I think she'd be <laughs> very prepared and would be very good at conveying her her thoughts and opinions um, I mean yes. Um, yeah, she is. Would she'd be extremely knowledgeable about the issues and would be very good at. I I feel like a, appealing to the target audience. Um, yeah, she tends to uh, know her audiences well and know how to communicate things very well. So I, I, I it would be very difficult to see that. Um, to to see, um, that being a. a 
choice that that wouldn't work out. You know, uh, I mean, yeah, it's. I think she has a lot of qualities that would that would work out nicely. She's our spirit captain. Come back, Ashley. Come back. We know Twitch paid you better. Come on back. Hang out on a podcast. Whatever. Come on. You make a few pennies from SB Nation. We're doing it. Come on back. We need that spirit. Great choice, Joe. Uh, Adrian, your thoughts? I'm tempted to send Colleen thinking that it can't get any more contentious, <laughs> but I'm afraid that it might get more contentious. If we send <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm gonna, I think I ended up uh, settling on Tommy Barbie, who's got a, got a good amount of uh, common sense, but also can get tough when it has to and uh, laid on the law, which uh, I think we need, I need a little bit of uh, the law laid down of who the real product is and who's uh, making the game what it is. That's a good call. Uh, I got a couple picks. I'm, uh, uh, he's, he's a grandfather. He's owned radio stations. He's been in the military. He's worked White Sox broadcasts. Uh, I'm saying Lee Allen might be good. I'm sure he's probably actually had to deal with some, uh, some ownership and employee, uh, conflicts in the past. And, you know, he's a smart ass too. So, you know, uh, if, if they're misbehaving, uh, he'll, he'll wrap them with a ruler. Uh, but if not, because he might just be a little too, you know, he's going to keep throwing in like the hall of famer baseball. He's going to like make those references, like every other line. And that might get tiresome, especially for the other 2019s who don't really care. Actually are sort of happy that we have that to focus on for yet another year. So I'm, I might actually pick Adrian Serrano because Adrian's got a thing where he does it. Sometimes he's, he can be very soft-spoken. And I think that's just enough. It's like a Shaquille O'Neal thing. It's like, it draws you in like okay what do you say i didn't catch that and you're like it makes you engage i think that's a ploy or not i think that could sucker these guys into having to listen pay attention at some point they're just tired of this you know and uh so i think the volume control from adrian might be an underrated weapon in all of this as well who knows maybe we'll maybe we'll have readers you know maybe maybe there's a poll here who knows i mean we got no more polls to do we're out of them veterans are done regular hall of fame's done white Sox hall of fame's done we got nothing to poll about so uh hamster's gonna have to come up with some new polls so who knows maybe this will be one uh well uh hey um the major league baseball as alluded to at some point wants to eliminate more minor leagues now i don't know what was said actually means more teams they are talking about personnel i took that to be a sneaky way of saying let's get rid of all the trainers or some some goofy thing it could really be less teams as well which would be just frightfully embarrassing particularly for a team like the white Sox, who doesn't even have max minor league teams as it is so they're gonna have even fewer uh is this something that should even be coming up during a cba we're we're running out of time but are there thoughts on whether this should even be something that's coming up at this point this idea is such a non-starter to begin with, and they have to know that. I'm not even sure if it's worth thinking of through the specifics of what they actually mean. Uh, it <laughs> seems like it's, it, you know, it's an idea that was concocted solely for the sake of being a kind of BS bargaining chip. Um, cause there has to be a punch counter punch to everything. There can no, you know, never be anything that's mutually beneficial. It always has to be tit for tat. So, uh, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's that ridiculous. And, and it, as a talking point, it only exists to make the players have to choose between yeah. their moral high ground and being able to say like, well, see, the players don't even care about these minor leaguers. Like, yeah. well, you don't care about them. Yeah. Sort of like a mid season. Hey, let's start checking the ball all of a sudden. Hey, well, I don't know though. I'm sure the hitters will be happy to be reminded that they've been getting cheated the last few years. Yeah. Here's the problem. Ownership already has all the chips. They don't need to, get, they don't need any more chips. They have all the chips. 
come on, baseball, get this together. Because otherwise, you know, our next podcast, number 85, I believe, uh, a decent year in White Sox history, it's going to be talking all about labor crap. We don't want to do that. We've got no more polls. We can't talk about polls. We've got to talk about labor in another week or a few days. So, uh, you know, until then, stick with us. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, guys, for joining on this. Thanks, everybody, for voting in the Hall of Fame. And we will see you probably sooner than you want to see us.